Live from the wretched hive of scum and villainy, we are the Moss Isley Mavens. I'm Rachel Giles. And I'm Timbala Cabray. Let's talk about Star Wars. Oh my gosh. Babe, we're back. We are back, baby. (laughs) It's been a hot second. It's been too long. It's been like two hot seconds. (laughs) It's, you know what though? It hasn't been like in between trilogies long. So I think we're good. I think we're covered. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely correct. um so we are back and this is our relaunch premiere we're so excited to be bringing you the top 15 listen we did say it was going to be 10 but we could not narrow it down top 15 star wars moments um (laughs) (laughs) we did say it was going to be 10 didn't we yeah it's okay like a disclaimer under that like we may change here yeah but it's you know there's just so much I think we did a really good job it honestly was so hard to narrow it down even to 15 because we're talking about all of Star Wars like we're talking the shows we're talking the movies um not just the trilogies but also Rogue One I mean we just you have to bring everything in and that's what we wanted to do so yeah absolutely it was very hard um it was so hard, but I'm so excited. I think this is a good list. I think it's a really good list. Yeah, I feel very strongly about it. And then I will remember something in two weeks and I'll feel terrible. But for now, I feel very strongly about it. That's what social media is for. <laughs> we can we can change it later, like a job of the hut. Um, so yeah, we're gonna just kick off and start with moment number 15. We're gonna get through about uh seven in this ep- or eight in this episode, and then we'll be doing um our top seven in our uh second part of this uh premiere. So we're excited. Um yeah, be sure to stay tuned. Yeah, tune in next time for the top seven. So we're starting with number 15, which is a very classic Yoda quote. Perhaps I think the I think it's the the most quoted Yoda quote of all time, from my perspective, which is uh, do or do not, there is no try. So. Yeah, I recognize that this quote is fully iconic and it is said by everybody. I low-key, I low-key hate this quote because my mom would tell it, say it to me, like if it came to like a math problem or something, I'd be like, I'm just trying my best mom. And she'd be like, do or do not, there is no try. And I'm like, I don't think Yoda ever did math in his life. So don't throw that at me. He did math of how many frogs to put in his soup. I think that's really important that we recognize oh, him for that. Or, yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I totally agree with Timbala. My dad definitely would quote this at my brother and I when we were trying something. Um, but I think that it, like, to me, it speaks to Yoda, like, kind of has this vision for Luke where in this moment, like, he's going to complete his Jedi training and destroy Darth Vader, or he's going to join him. I think Obi-Wan kind of shares that, that there's just this notion that there's, like, one or the other, and Luke is somebody who I think is more willing to kind of see the gray and to strive for something that he's sort of unsure of the outcome, Um, which I think makes him such a cool character. Yeah, I just love him for it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, like, definitely it. It's, like, Obi-Wan and then Yoda were both prepping him to, like, kill Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader. 
and um i want to say like avenge his father without the two ever without without the idea of the two like ever crossing over and then surprise darth vader is his father no one yeah. saw that coming well i think it's it, i think in the hindsight because they know that y- like obi-wan and yoda know that anakin is darth vader so in a sense that's kind of misleading because they're kind of keeping that from luke now that i think about it yeah uh, they're wet when we, when, we, when we were talking about this <laughs> in our um like like notes prep sesh i thought about um dumbledore and harry potter and how oh it's very like, Dumbledore and Harry Potter right like like Dumbledore just kind of like picks this kid and tells him that this is his destiny when it doesn't necessarily have to be the way that the older sage type character makes right. it out to be. make a new path man yeah yeah pave, and then pave your own way I think that it also reminded me like I think I could see this moment sort of reflected or the conflict reflected in a lot of like recent media, like you said, you know, it's in Harry Potter, but also for me, like it really gives me kind of Aang and Avatar The Last Airbender, just that kind of conflict that he's going through. Um, so yeah, you can you can see how it's reverberated through the ages. But yeah, do or do not, there's no try. It's still, it's, it's still kind of slaps though, as a quote. And it is Yoda pulling the X-Wing out of the swamp. I mean, it is kind of a magical moment. So even though I have some qualms about his his approach as a teacher (laughs) every good training montage or moment has to have some sort of line and this is this is this is the line this is one of the for sure most iconic training montage um lines it was just missing one of those like super upbeat like pop rock um background music oh i would love to see an edit of that though i i know there's gotta be one out there i think that'd be excellent we'll have to find it if anyone else Yes, please. We would love to see that. I think it's just so like visually and then also the John Williams score, like it's just musically compelling. I mean, it's like you just can't help but feel that moment so deeply. I think that like it's also really interesting because Luke's kind of whiny in the first movie, like, but this particular moment, I think, cements that he becomes this extraordinarily relatable character because you see how much he's yearning and longing to be a part of this bigger world. And I think everybody can kind of, can find themselves in that a little bit. You know, there's something where we we want things out of life, whatever that is. And so I think people can connect with that. And Mark Hamill did just such a good job of, of putting that emotionally into that sequence. Cause there's no, you know, he's not talking or anything. He's just staring kind of wistfully up at the twin sons. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's basically the Star Wars equivalent to um, daydreaming. Like, I, I am at, like, when I think of the twin sons scene, um, like, in my own life, I think about, like, when I was younger and I would have to ride in the backseat of, like, the family van. And I was looking at the clouds, like, passing through the window. Like, that, the, the, like, same vibe. It's the same vibe. He He's a kid who daydreams all the time. And, yeah, you're right. Like, I never thought of Luke being a relatable character until until we started talking about this scene and I was like oh hold up I feel that I feel that absolutely (laughs) yeah he just I think it's it's I think a lot of Star Wars rests on being because Luke is the protagonist right so if you can't like the hero of something it's sort of hard to like get behind it and I think a lot of people can relate to like Leia or Han Solo more but I think you have to see yourself at least a little bit in in Luke to really get into it and I think a lot of people do because of this moment so moving on to moment 13 and it's 
what is it Rachel tell us give us a lowdown it's, <laughs> it's Leia's hologram so we all know it we all love it and Timbo pointed out that it is in every Star Wars parody like it makes its way in there somewhere yeah absolutely like I'm pretty sure like you know how like a lot of Bob's Burgers episodes are like puns of famous movie titles <laughs> like I'm pretty like there's there's probably a Star Wars one and, oh for sure like, and it's probably the you just see like tina belcher like wearing like a bed sheet over her head and being like <laughs> something like like save me jimmy jr <laughs> your butt's the only your butt's my only hope or something like that like like, <laughs> like there's always something like that in a star wars spoof and that's why i find, you know you know not, not even just like the hologram but like that line like help me obi-wan kenobi you're my you're only my only hope, hope. yeah that's I think star it's, wars yeah it's it's the most iconic call to adventure and like all of 20th century western pop culture like I can't think of a single one where it's like this is where the adventure begins I mean I'm sure there's a couple but like they just don't they just don't come close it's ubiquitous like and then I think also the thing that struck me too is like in rewatching it to kind of like talk about the moments it's like there's a chance like she's gonna die like I think she fully accepts that like her ship's been taken like Darth Vader is like crazy like we saw like in the context of Rogue One, what this man is capable of. And it's like evil. And so I think that she understands there's a chance that this is it for her, but she has this like desperation that the rebellion has to survive, even if she doesn't. And I think that's like, you get that even from, you know, Carrie Fisher who is so young, like as the actress and, and Princess Leia young as a character, like that there's this, it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And you just go, you understand like what Leia's about. Like you just absolutely understand her whole ordeal. And then like even like I just finished Rebel Rebels not too long ago and seeing her even be involved in the rebellion before it was even re really a, a rebellion. It was just a whole bunch of like pocket fighters trying to a ragtag team of people who were trying to do what they thought was right. And like that's that's her thing. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I love this scene. I think this was another one I was fighting for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, and it's important that it makes the list because it is just like, it's iconic to the, to the, the franchise, you know? I think too, it's important to get that representation because we didn't, I think in our original 10, have a ton of original trilogy um, representation. And that's not to say like, I think the original trilogy is probably my favorite, um, but I think, like growing up, the things that stick with you most are the ones that you experience like as a kid. So for me, that was like the prequels and Timbala, I know like was introduced to the sequels. So I think that we had some overrepresentation of that. So it's good to bring yeah. these these moments in because they really, you know, we can't get that. Ray staring at the twin sons on Jakuf unless we get Luke staring. So it's it's just important to to yeah. bring that in. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get back to our roots but uh speaking of the speaking of the sequels let's move on to moment 12 um which actually if you guys if any of you know Rachel or I um <laughs> we have we have very strong opinions about um the last Jedi but we got beef we got we have a little bit of beef mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tell Ryan Johnson that if he's got beef we're vegetarians and we're not scared of him you know he owes me reparations um. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah 
yeah yeah this next this next scene um it's uh luke's luke's speech at the at the end of the last jedi right after he oh yeah yes i mean yeah i think well no yes he does he does well he's it's been a hot second since i watched the last jedi (laughs) (laughs) he fights kylo ren but it's a projection of him right so it's not like he's irl you know he's zooming in on this one um a pre-pandemic uh pioneer of zoom i would say is so right luke skywalker (laughs) He said, I will be uh, teleworking today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> teleworking king. <laughs> and um, so I think that, yeah, so it's, he has, Kylo is giving him this big bad guy, like, I'm a tough evil dude talk and telling him he's going to destroy the rebellion and he's going to be the last Jedi and he's going to destroy everything. Um, and Luke is just like amazing. Every word of what you just said is wrong. You know, he tells him that the rebellion is reborn today, you know, that he's not going to be the last Jedi. And I think it's such a powerful moment because all throughout the last Jedi, um, Luke is like, I'm I'm ending the Jedi. Like, I'm the last one. I'm over it. And so I think he's coming to a recognition that, like, pulling himself back into a semblance of this person that he was, because Luke at his core is this hopeful person, like, just so hopeful. Um, And so I think it's really cool that in this, like, in his final moments, he's bringing that back. You know, Ray is able to draw that out of him. Leia is able to draw that out of him. Um, You know, and he's got the humor and he's got the panache and he's, got hope most importantly so yeah <laughs> he found a new hope ah! <laughs> yeah no but I, I I agree like I uh I'm not a fan of The Last Jedi um but I definitely think it has it has it definitely has its moments it brings moments and we I also think yeah this is one of them yeah for sure this and and Haldo also almost made my honorable mentions because I think tearing mm-hmm. that ship apart is really cool visual and I have a crush on Laura Dern so who word. doesn't you know true um <laughs> our our 11 moment is like I I honestly don't know how this is 11 because it's hard like this is this is when it gets hard yeah, the, yeah. What, uh, honestly, once 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 we start, once we yeah. start nearing these single digit moments, it's it was really really tough. Um, yeah, it's oh it's. So we have um, for number eleven the Ahsoka versus Vader duel from uh, Star Wars Rebels in Twilight of the Apprentice. Um, I think season two. That's season two of Rebels, oh, right? I. So. It's so this bad. is. I just like this is I cannot believe that it took me so long to watch Rebels because when I saw this like my mind was completely blown I'm such a huge Ahsoka fan um and I know Temple is too yes so I remember I have so many Snapchat videos of me just watching Rebels (laughs) that happened in both the Clone Wars and Rebels one day I'll compile them all and uh post them somewhere but I'm pretty sure I sent you a whole video of me reacting to Ahsoka saying the I am no Jedi line. I'm I'm losing my mind. It was (laughs) it was awesome. She she's cool. She's Mm -hmm. the cool. She's the coolest. It was also just like so raw. Like just you know, uh, if if you've watched if you watch if you've seen the Clone Wars, you know what happens to Ahsoka in the Clone Wars, and to kind of see 
I mean, honestly, it's almost the like result of that, of like who she's become um, later on. And, um, and not that she has like, I guess like a total distaste for the Jedi Order, but like a lot of its core values are so important to her, but it's, she's done away with um, the politics of, right. of, of the Jedi. And she wants to fight, she wants to fight for what she believes in and what she loves, which is why um, when she says that she's gonna avenge Anakin's death and Vader's like, <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a good Jedi thing to do. And she's like, well, guess what? Newsflash, homie. I'm not a Jedi. And it's so cool. It's such a good fight. It's, you can see it's extraordinary. Yeah, you can see both Vader, who is fantastic. I remember coming, I remember uh, oh spoilers for Jedi Fallen Order, but like you fight Darth Vader at the end. I stopped the game and walked away from my Xbox because I did not want to fight Darth Vader. Um <laughs> I mean it's like well, this is also, like, there is, like, the meme, or not the meme, but, like, the tweet that's, like, Ahsoka fought Darth Vader, Palpatine, Darth Maul, and the Inquisitors on the same day. Like, she just, because, like, that's all happened, like, sequentially, right? Because, like, she fights with Maul, she fights with the Inquisitors, and she fights with Vader, and then Ezra pulls her into the world between worlds, and she fights Palpatine. Oh my gosh, you're so right. I know, anyway, but yeah, she just, this She's Vader so fight cool. to me is so emotional, because it's, like, I think Ahsoka, and like what you're talking about, Ahsoka has this disillusionment with the Order. Vader had that too, but he's kind of egotistical. You know, Anakin is thinking like, I can, I'm the chosen one. I can solve everything. Give it to me. I got this. Um, I'm always right. And Ahsoka is somebody who like had the same moments that Anakin did. The Jedi Order wronged her. You know, Anakin is denied the rank of master. Anakin has all these rules and things. You know, he's not allowed to love Padme. He's not allowed to have any of the things that he needs or wants. And Ahsoka similarly is wronged by the order, but she leaves. She cuts it off. She says, I'm going to, I'm done. I'm out. But she still follows the light side of the force. And she still is in touch with the will of the force. And without assuming that she is right or that she has the way. And so I think in that way, you know, Anakin is obviously a mentor to her, but they're also kind of peers because they're so close in age. They're so close in age. I always forget that. Like, there's like, what? It's insane. Three years difference between them? There's, it's five, but yeah, it's still, I mean, that's like Anakin and Padme. I mean, it's not, there's not, it's, they're basically, I mean, not, they're not basically the same age, but like towards the, especially when she gets older, you know, more mature that she's 17 years old making this decision to peace out. Oh my gosh. That's basically, that's almost the age difference between myself and my younger brother. I know that's crazy, right? It's, oh my gosh. And I think that it's like, there's no other duel between two people who have that past that Anakin and Ahsoka have, because I think even with the, I love the Anakin and Obi-Wan duel, that's high up on the list. We'll just give you a spoiler there. But <laughs> the problem with that one is that Anakin has this resentment of Obi-Wan and this hate for Obi-Wan, I think, in a way that, you know, Obi-Wan comes to represent how the Jedi Order has wronged him. And Anakin had nothing but love for Ahsoka before becoming Darth Vader. You know, he loves Ahsoka in the way that he loves Padme or Shmi. Like, there's just, it's like a purity to it, you know? Like, he sees her as, I think they see each other as sort of siblings. Um, But there's not that, you know, he fights for her so recklessly um, when she's accused, too, and no one else stands up for her. Um, Because he thinks, like, I think he recognizes that no one has been in his corner, and so he's continually in Ahsoka's corner. Like, 
on her mm-hmm. side no matter what. Mm-hmm. So you have that moment when she is avenging him and then finds out that Darth Vader is Anakin. I mean, to me, it's almost as emotional as Luke finding out the yeah. truth. Because yeah. even Luke has this idea of who his father was. Like Ahsoka knew Anakin. Like into, like that is like her brother, you know? And so I think it's, and then once she finds out, you know, like once you crack open his helmet, you hear his voice, you see the yellow pupils, it's heart shattering. And then the idea that she refuses to give up on him, that she's willing to die, like to, to be with him in this moment, to protect him. Like she's, I'm not going to leave you. It's the cherry on a very sad Sunday. I can't. Yeah, a very sad Sunday. Absolutely. And then the fight choreography is incredible. On top of all of that, like it's a good duel. So good. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just good. I yeah, I I love that scene. Rachel can attest. I'm pretty sure I have the Snapchat video saved somewhere of me losing my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, that's how I feel. Just like unintelligible like screeching from my heart <laughs> yeah gosh well so brighten things up we have Absolutely. <laughs> um for moment 10 the, the the beginning of our top 10 and emphasis on the hour I know some people might not agree with us but uh you know it's fine it's whatever we're, start podcast we are in charge here this is yeah, this, this is, is our show podcast we're Han Solo and Chewie and this we have rules get off I mean it's up to you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no please I mean even if you disagree with us on the top 10 you probably will still enjoy this podcast we're just kind of giving you a taste of like where we're coming from we are <laughs> and what we like and what we value in Star Wars starting with moment 10 the introduction of baby Yoda I'll fade out. Excuse me. <laughs> I like it's it's this entry point, I think, for so many people who I've been begging friends for years to watch Star Wars. And it's like Baby Yoda's all over the news and all of a sudden people are into it. And I think that that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. I've had people who I would have never pegged to be like super into Star Wars. Um, People who, who might, who might've just been like more casual, but like, I didn't think they would be into the Mandalorian, but I have had so many people be like, oh my gosh, I love Baby Yoda. And how can you not? (laughs) He's adorable. I mean, Grogu is just like the world's cutest marketing trap. I mean, I don't know who concocted this at Disney, but I think they're evil geniuses. I'm pretty sure. Oh, absolutely. The mouse knows what, what <laughs> they know what they're doing. Like he was concocted in a lab. Like that is a lab grown baby. Like, but you know what? So was, so was, so was the Mandalorian. They're not like, like yeah we could have baby yoda without the mandalorian but we couldn't have the mandalorian without baby yoda this is true this is true uh, and that's facts i think that it's like i walked into the mandalorian personally being like i was kind of expecting more a grittier more like masculine western bro-y kind yeah, of situation I and i was i was here for it like i'm here for it i'm, yeah. I'm about it i'll like, consume I, anything i, fully, Star Wars. I was fully yeah. prepared for just like action grit like something my dad would really like kind I of I love that yeah it's good and like I'm not against it but it, there's but a place what for I it. got 
was I was not expecting. I was not expecting to have my heart melted, you know, like on episode one, like, because I think it's that iconic shot, like Baby Yoda reaching his hand out and like the Mandalorian reach. It's so cute. Super cute. And like, not only that, like, I love Baby Yoda. I don't know where my mind was going with that point, but that was the end of the point was that I love Baby Yoda. Yeah. Um, and Baby Yoda transcends age. I've had children as young as four. My niece loved Baby Yoda. Two people as old as my mother love Baby Yoda. There's probably people older out there who love Baby Yoda. Because my mom's not that old. Yeah, and I think that Star Wars is, like, supposed to be like this. Like, it's not meant to be something that, like, you have to know who Darth Revan is to enjoy. Like, it's, there shouldn't be any gatekeeping. It's like, if somebody is just wanting to engage with the Mandalorian and nothing else, like, that's their business. And I think that's cool that there's some piece of this universe that can connect with them they enjoy. Absolutely. And I think, I think, I think Baby Yoda was the perfect way to do that. He's cute. He's funny. And for older audiences, like his story is kind of tragic. It's he's he's the whole package. Yeah, I mean, this is. I think it's so interesting to have like the children who experienced the massacre at the Jedi Temple, like people like Cal Kess or not Cal Kess, What's his name? Oh my gosh, Caleb Doom. Um, you know, Kanan Jarrus. Like they have that. They were kids when this happened, but now they're adults. So they've had time to process it and kind of recover from it. I think because Grogu, you know, the way that the the Yoda species kind of grows, Grogu is still a child. Like this is still fresh. He he very much is. But it's been many years for everyone else. So I think it's interesting because you can explore the trauma of that for a a kid. And I'm really looking forward to that kind of going forwards. Absolutely. Same. Also, just a side note, Cal Kestis did survive Order 66. Yeah, I just, yeah, that's true. He did. He did for sure. I I just, I was trying to think of Caleb Doom and I said Cal Kestis. Their names are too similar for me. But like in that (laughs) badge, Caleb Doom did kind of look like Cal Kestis. They, he was so pale. Right. I think they fixed the lighting in it or something because they were like, the lighting was off. I was like, okay, man, you made him a full ginger. Like, okay. Yeah, that man's is brown. <laughs> like, is brown. Listen, if you're on the ghost crew, like <laughs> you're PSP. <PSG. No. laughs> Except for um the what is Hera? Yeah. <laughs> Green. <laughs> so So our ninth moment in the countdown is from season, the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Um, and that is Din Djarin removing his Mandalorian helmet. So good. If you didn't cry during the scene, maybe, maybe you're an, you're, maybe you're an Imperial. Like, how could you not cry? <laughs> maybe you're an imp. Yeah. I... I, I don't, I think that, I think maybe like if you're not an emotional watcher, that's fine. But if you're somebody who cries at movies and you didn't cry at this scene, that's what I would say. Cause I know like my brother, you can't like, he cried at Coco and that's it. Like that's, it takes a lot to get this man. Um, but yeah, I think that's I definitely, fine. if you're somebody I mean, like, if you didn't feel anything when this happened, then I think, I think we need to have a talk. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little worried um, about you. <laughs> yeah. But this, this was such a good scene. I have a love hate relationship with this scene. Because yes, it was very, very good, 
but at the same time, I hate that it happened. <laughs> yeah, I think that is, that's key. I don't know. I think that him giving up Grogu to Luke is important for the story. And I get that, but it is hard to watch. I think it that very it's very hard to watch. To me, it's, it's hard, I think, because of this scene, even more so. Because in season, in this, so if we take this back, if we compare and contrast, bring it back to the season one finale of the show, Din Djarin is a, an, he, listen, clown school graduate, ready to uh, give up the mortal coil rather than taking off his helmet. Like, he's literally willing to die, like, rather than forsaking this creed that he has to never remove his helmet but in the season two finale it's not even a life or death situation like it's not like it's he just wants Grogu to see him he wants to say goodbye to his child it's it's to me it takes it back to this notion that George Lucas always says Star Wars has to rhyme like it just rhymes throughout it you see the echoes of it and I think that Dave and John are doing a stupendous job of making that happen on the Mandalorian because this to me rings of Anakin taking off his helmet his Darth Vader helmet to say goodbye to Luke even though he's dying and obviously the Mandalorian's not dying but still I think it's an interesting parallel because I think it's immense that Grogu is like a son to him and he's giving him up to Luke because he knows that's what's best for him so yeah and I think also like back to the you know Star Wars rhymes thing I mean we could even bring it back to the 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 last Jedi with 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 Luke um finding a new hope in 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 what in what the Jedi are are to become and so Din Djarin kind of I won't say like that he ever lost his his religion but like it was just kind of it for him and then having having Baby Yoda as as a foundling kind of like re-sparked his own faith and his own like interpretation of it and I think that yeah yeah and yeah, and I think I think him taking off the helmet just kind of like solidifies that. Like the old the old way is dead. This is his new way. This is the new way. This is the um, new way. <laughs> yeah. It's to me, I think it also comes down to that he has as a result of having to take care of Grogu and like carting him all over the galaxy, has seen so many new ways of living, even amongst the Mandalorians, you know, to have met Bo-Katan and those people and to see that, like, there are other ways to to do this, to kind of identify, you know, as what he is, but not necessarily follow the tenets. So it's sort of a, a matter of that he's learned how to, like, apply that kind of critical thinking skills of, like, I'm going to do what everyone does with religion, which is like take the aspects of it that are most meaningful to me and kind of reject the things that are, you know, not working anymore. Um, and so I think that, yeah, he's just, it's not worth it to him to continue it, to follow some set of rules for like who now? Cause it's like, I was going to say coven, but I know that's not right. His- um, That is not correct. His covert, his covert is like gone. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, who is he doing this for? And Grogu needs him in this moment to give his permission to go with Luke and so he just he just drops it you know he just he's yeah. ready and I mean this even goes back to get again to our, our introduction of baby Yoda see uh, Yoda moment and like this is baby Yoda leaving at least to our knowledge it's come full circle and I know that like regardless like if, if you loved baby Yoda like I imagine that this scene was very very it was tough to watch I I, I cheered up 
I was angry. I was, yeah. I was upset. I was, I was ready for Dave Filoni's head. John Favreau's head. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like this notion of like, just go with him. Like, just, just go with him. Go with go Luke. With him. Like, I'm, I'm sure okay. they need some more chaperones. On no, the I'm bus. angry because Din Djarin did not get like any contact information. He, he's, he's a Star Wars <laughs> dummy. He doesn't know what a lightsaber is. He's like, Jedi, what's that? Didn't, um, didn't, are you a Jedi Jaren? <laughs> yeah, yeah, are you a Jedi? Like, that's, Luke Skywalker walked on that ship, and he's like, are you a Jedi? No, it's just a random dude. Um, there's make, like the, there's the galaxy. key of like, how much do you know about Star Wars on a scale of Din Djarin to Maul? And someday we'll rank everybody on that, like, we'll create the full levels. Yeah. I think mid-tier is like Ahsoka. I feel like, or actually, Ahsoka's pretty high, I think. I think so. She's she's like she's in the higher quadrant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my biggest thing <laughs> with this scene is that, and honestly, it's in true dad fashion that he did not get like any in any of the important information. He didn't he get didn't... a phone number. He didn't get a name. Mm-hmm. He didn't get the, the the name of the school. He he's got nothing. <laughs> he doesn't have a planet. Like this man no. is just like all right. He seemed, but in his defense, did this is very in character for him, I think, because when in in episode one of season two, like he meets Cobb Vanth and like what 10 minutes later is like, hey dude, if I die, baby you is all yours. Like <laughs> good luck with him. That dumb man. Moments ago I was ready to kill you, but I'm trusting you with my son now. <laughs> I love I love that stupid man so much. He's He's so dumb and I love him. <laughs> on the moment um, eight. Moment eight. Continuing on with our with our sad moments. But I think I think that this is also a great moment to end on. Um moment eight is the uh Rogue One sacrifice. Yeah, so this is oh gosh. This one I think empirically I feel that Rogue One is one of the best Star Wars movies. I think it's like Rogue One and Empire Strikes Back. I'm not saying those are my favorites. I'm saying that if you're introducing someone to Star Wars and you like want them to get into it, like this is just a good movie. Like it start to finish it's a good movie. well done. And I know that like when I first watched it, and when, when you first watch it, like you have so much, you have these, all these conflicting feelings. Like I remember like I was, I was unsatisfied at the end of it. But, like, that's kind of, the, like, it's not necessarily the point, but, like, I feel like it was kind of made to be that way. Like, it's... No, yeah. It, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is the films that occur Later. online after after Rogue One. And it... it genius. A masterpiece. It's so good. And it's definitely a movie that's def- it's grown on me. Oh, for sure. Um, and I... Every I time I really watch agree. it. I definitely agree. I have a renewed it's one of, sense. It's one of, like, the, like, most well-made Star Wars movies. Yeah. The, the story's great. The characters are great. They're heartbreaking. So good. I think that, like, it just gives such an emotional weight to something that we don't think twice about in the original movies. Because when you're watching Star Wars, the original A New Hope for the first time, you know, yeah, they have the Death Star plans. That's cool. You don't really understand how that happens. And so to go back and to say, how did we get that? Like, take this singular piece of information that's critical to taking down the empire and really exploring that and exploring what it takes for that. And I think 
we don't really get a sense of the rebellion in the original trilogy other than our main characters, you know, other than what Luke, the rebellion is to Luke or Leia, you know, we don't really explore like Wedge or Biggs or some of the other star pilots. I mean, I think that some of the extra canon um, or not the non-canon legend stuff sort of gets into that. But I think for this Rogue One is like, what does a rebel look like? What is the empire doing to regular people on their planets that is making someone want to risk everything to stop it and yeah, yeah. and I, I totally agree it, it's it's made me realize that there's no real I'm trying to think of the best way to frame this like if we're thinking like um like like the original films like the films that would take place after Rogue One um that kind of set the tone for Star Wars up until Rogue One there's no real you've never you never faced this much death to so many characters that, that that you know and have grown to know throughout a film yeah. all at once. And it makes it like extra powerful. Like I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, there's no death like as impactful as, you know, like there, there hasn't been a death like this before. And I mean, there hasn't, I mean, other characters have died in right. Star Wars, but they haven't I think died it's in this way. The fact that it is this team, like you get to know every member of this team has a different reason for being there, a different reason for wanting to fight the empire. You get to know each of them, care for each of them, and then that they are they sacrificing themselves, a K2SO, just to take down the empire, you know, at the, if, not even to take down the empire. They are getting a piece of information that is a chance, like a chance of a chance, a hope of a hope. It's gorgeous i think it is everything that star wars stands for really yeah absolutely it's so good and like oh god i love cassian and, and jen so excited for so the cassian good. series i'm so sad jen's not gonna be in it though it's we're i think i don't know if we, we can if i want to out us i think both of us are kind of cassian jen shippers a little bit no yes absolutely someone <laughs> someone posted a quote from like the rogue one novelization and um about about like when Jin and Cassian die and I can't even remember what it says but I just remember it wrecked me really <laughs> like, I really like, thought that they were Poe's parents and I was like waiting for them the to escape they're the definition of the um right person wrong time trope tragic Ugh. so <gasps> tragic I cry right now I'm ready oh my gosh it's like this uh I love them both so much it's and then I also love Bodhi like we lose so many people who I would just like want to see whole series on just them um yeah I mean and Saw and this is so great I love that he has become kind of this kooky dude it it makes perfect sense for his character of everything that he's been through Forrest Whitaker just like bringing the a-game I love how Saw Guerrero just keeps popping up every time I get more into Star Wars like I saw him first in Rogue One (laughs) And then I saw him in Jedi Fallen Order. And I think I even sent you a snap video about that. I was like, yeah, yeah. you did. You were like, I found him. And then, and then I was finishing the Clone Wars and he was there. And then he was in Rebels. And now he's in the, now he's in the Bad Batch. Wow. Love Saw. Well, yeah, this is, I think, a perfect moment to end on because we're so excited to get into the top seven next week. It's going to be great. We do have some honorable mentions that you can check out on our TikTok at Moss Eisley Mavens or Instagram at Moss Eisley Mavens. And we will just on the topic of the Bad Batch, we will be doing something Bad Batch related, um, but we don't know what that is yet. So just stay tuned. We're going to wait till the end of the series. I think we are watching it. We are loving it. 
Um, we are we do a whole episode <laughs> where we pretend we're Omega and Rekka. talk like tech. Rekka, tech, echo. We actually love Omega in this house, and if you disrespect mm-hmm. her in our comments, um, we're gonna come for you. We're gonna find you. Um, I'm gonna send Fennec Shand after you. that's our girl (laughs) all right well thank you so much for joining us we're so excited to be back and yeah yeah (laughs) moss isley maven signing off see you next time